Welcome to the Bank Marketing Show, the podcast that engages and informs you for success in today's marketplace. It's the show that will make you a better marketer with trends, tactics, and inspiration from experts and industry leaders. If you're wanting to impact your personal success and position your bank as the best choice in your market, you're in the right place. Now let's dive into today's show with your hosts, Chris and Dan. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Bank Marketing Show. We're glad to have you with us today and are very excited about our guest as well. Our guest is, is uh, it brings a, a, a wealth of experience around some, uh, some topic areas in uh, data and utilization that we, we feel like you guys as our audience are going to find very valuable. So, uh, real welcome. Thank you so much, Chris. Hi, Dan. So lovely to Hi. meet you. Yeah, we're, we're happy to have you here. So um, just to kind of let our audience know who you are and why you're here. Uh, Ria Iyengar is joining us uh, today from COSAT. Uh, it's a, a Toronto, Canada-based marketing and communications agency. So Ria's um, business director there works a ton with um, CRM, you know, data-driven campaigns, uh, worked with some worked with some big banks. And uh, you, you talk a lot about uh, using data to to inform customer relationships, make better decisions um, on your marketing, kind of become a a data driven marketer, which I know is a, a big hot topic uh, across the banking industry, but especially for smaller banks where you know that that don't have access to or don't want to get involved with the really big platforms. Um, so I'm excited today to talk about you know talk about how technology is changing that. It's near and dear to my heart too, as a marketing tech guy for most of my career. So you can really yeah, geek out on that subject, eh? <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> and I know we 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 met a little while ago to to prep for this, and and you know you've got a, a great perspective on personalization, you know, data driven marketing, um, and I think we'll have a great conversation today. So welcome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So Ria, as, as we we had earlier conversations and we talked into this, one of the things that jumped out at me was. Part of your statement was the future of marketing will be in personalized content driven or will be personalized content driven by customer data. Agreed wholeheartedly. I know that Dan and I both do. So as we kind of wade off into the water there, what, what is that to you? That That is the future of marketing. So why, why that direction for you professionally and, and your interest? I think it, a marketing brain can be of two types a mass marketer and a person who thinks like a targeted marketer. And what's interesting to me is how the two work together, but how each also value add in their own individual way. So for me, the reason I see the future of marketing to be that of data-driven, technology-driven, personalized content is because I think like a targeted marketer and because we have such a proliferation of just devices in our life that can now reach us in different mediums that allow for that level of personalization. It's a cost-effective medium and it gives you a ton of ROI. So when I think about what the pandemic has done and how we've realized, you know, what you can communicate to a customer who's sitting at home, really this medium of targeted marketing, data-driven marketing, that's the one that stood out as really having great reach. And for me, that's why it's the future. There's an aspect of, I think, technology as well. 
direct marketing, the old school version of digital data-driven marketing, has always been such a sharp, medium, very effective, but expensive. And technology now allows us to process data differently, allows us to reach a much bigger audience. And just the way software is thrown to support this kind of marketing, it also enables that future readiness of this particular medium. Yeah, you. I, I know you. You work a lot with with CRM systems and um, using those to do segmentation to do targeted marketing. Can you talk a little about how you know how those have changed over the last few years, and you know how, how banks uh, can start on a segmentation uh, journey? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing to think about when you think of a CRM platform is again that thought of how to think like a targeted marketer, and then what the technology does to enable you. So when you, let's say when you're talking about mass advertising, radio, print, television, you really have just that one piece of communication that you need to make appeal to hundreds and thousands, maybe millions of people. But what CRM technology allows you to do is think about a market of, think an individual customer and cater your communication your products, your services to that specific customer. So when you think about targeted marketing and the development of these softwares, the principle is, can I divide my customer base into well-defined segments? And these segments are typically customers who share common attributes, common properties. Um, and can I tell them something that's relevant to them that's different from another segment? And from that way, can I make my communication more personalized and relevant? And to answer your question there about the technology piece of it, CRM softwares have really, now they, there's marketing automation. A press of a button can help you do so many things that you would have otherwise had to do manually. You have intense analytics and reporting and uh, insights that just come from your data that the, that the softwares can automatically give you. So the entire systems and technologies are geared towards that thinking of the market of one and how you get insights from those groups. Yeah, so it's really taking, you know, I think the way I think of segments, you know, in, in my work is, you know, I think a lot of our, a lot of our listeners are familiar with or have you know, customer personas, right? And for your whole bank, you might define, you know, three or four customer personas, but segments really drill down a little deeper and tie that. Yeah, I like what you said about tying it to specific attributes. It's not just sitting there and thinking, oh, you know, you know, uh, Dave the millennial. It's more getting to the next level of saying the group of customers that shares these things, that has a certain balance or does a certain number of transactions, things like that, and and really data-driven. And then and then CRM is really kind of the the technology that helps you define those segments, helps you reach them. Is that a good... Yeah, absolutely. And if, if we talk about personas, you could have three or four personas uh, when you're talking about, let's say, a mass platform. But in a targeted medium, you can have 50, 100 personas, really, really drilling down customers and going beyond just base demographics. You're not only looking at age and location anymore. You can 
fill in psychographics. You can fill in purchase behavior. You can create groups on the basis of the mediums that they respond to the most, the products they're most interested in. And the piece that I love about the marketing is how the product can tie in. Because not just is your marketing now customized to different segments, but you can customize your product as well. Um, to give you like a banking example, we if you if you were a bank that wanted to sell a credit card, um, you could sell a credit card as is with just its features and benefits, or you choose to target specific customers who are existing customers in your bank that you know will respond to a particular rewards program or will benefit from a certain cashback strategy. And suddenly that same card is a different card to different groups of people. And that's the beauty of it. So you can target your segment and you can target your product when you're using data marketing. Uh, that's a great example too, Rhea, of uh, how you, you're speaking individually and directly to certain members of your of your audience, and you mentioned current customers. So that upsell and gaining greater share of wallet is one set of opportunities. Can, can you also think of maybe an, an example or two of maybe how to do that with uh, campaigns that are trying to reach new customers? Yeah, absolutely. You have the concept of data modeling is the idea of creating segments based on your current customers and then identifying who are your most valuable customers from your current group. So way to think about doing this is you can start with your current customer base and you know what kind of customer responds to what or what kind of customer has what kind of product. You can basis that create a matrix of which type of customer do you need to acquire next? So it can be, when you talk about data modeling, it can be more of the same customer or it can be a different target group that you want to speak to because you already have a large base of a certain type of customer. So if you wanted to target a different age group, say, you could then customize your communication based on what you know about the current customers, what works with the current customers, and then switch that up for the new target group that you want to get to. And those are always begin with how much data you have. So when you want to acquire customers, you can send out surveys, you can do newsletters, you can do blog subscriptions. There's so many ways in which to gather data for that new group of customers that you want to acquire, that new segment of customers you want to acquire. And then when you have that data, Again, you go back to customizing the product differently from your current customer base and explain why your product is relevant to your new customer base. I love that. I know for Dan and I with our agencies, so many of our community bank clients are seeking younger audiences, for example, Rhea. And you know they're watching their customer base age and mm -hmm. they are trying to compete against the fintechs and the online only and you know uh, the, the the some of those and I, I think you make a great point there is so the segment of your current customer base that are younger audiences why are they there what are they utilizing what features of technology or whatever that you offer your products and services is it that's keeping them engaged and then 
like you say, model that externally or figure out how to how to do that other ways. So I, I think that's a, a great mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And you can get so much data from sometimes as marketers, we want to get more and more and more data. But mm-hmm. there's also the principle of getting deeper and deeper and deeper with the current data you have. So there's so many insights that can come from your current base that you can then model on new customers. Yeah, and, and banks, you know, a, a big kind of trend right now, like banks obviously have a ton of their own data already. Mm-hmm. And there's so much that they can be learning about their current customer set and their behavior. And then, and like I said, apply it to, apply it to acquiring new customers as well. So, I mean, like we, we've touched on it a little bit, you know, uh, here, but can we, let's talk a little more about uh, thinking like a targeted marketer, right? Like, you know, if you're, if you're a, a marketing person that's used to the world of like, hey, let's get Facebook posts up or let's, you know, hey, we, um, let's say it's coming on to April or something and it's, you know, IRA deadline month and we want to get some posts out to, to drive, you know, IRA deadlines. Um, it's ag, you know, ag season and we're going to go out and get some ag loans or you know, things like that or like as mortgage rates change and we want to change our messaging. But how do you kind of get from from that mode to the you know, the targeted marketer mode where you're thinking in segments, not personas, you're thinking in breaking breaking customers down different ways. I mean, imagine a lot of it has to has to do with looking at your data and trying to slice and dice it in different ways. But how do you uh, how do you usually start thinking through it when, when a client comes from that traditional world? I think, yes, absolutely. It starts with the data. Um, you need to and have that data. And banks, fortunately, tend to be rich with data. They tend to have the ability to get quite a lot of deep customer data. The next step from that is, how do I stop thinking about that one tagline or that one product pitch? And how can I create the same product? How can I position the same product differently? so that I'm creating customized communication. So even with a social post, if you were to move a generic social post to a targeted social post, you could have the same product sold differently to 10 different customer sets, simply because of the fact that you understand that the same product appeals to the different customer set differently. So the the step from moving from mass advertising or just broad social advertising to targeted advertising is to create those data sets and then map back either the attributes of the product that will appeal to that particular data set or the benefit to the customer based on what their current purchasing patterns are and then being able to change the ad, the specific piece of communication for different groups. So to give you an example, let's say it's you're trying to sell a loan product. There is the generic benefit of, you know, a better rate or, um, you know, paying back facilities and flexibility of the loan. There could be various attributes. That same ad, that same piece of social post, that same content appeals differently to different customers. Mm -hmm. So Chris might need the loan product because he's trying to transfer balances. Dan might need the same loan product because he's trying to set up for a larger goal or a later goal. Um, 
someone else might need ria might need this loan product because she needs to manage her debt differently and suddenly that's three different ads for the same product so when you put that out there in the social media world is three different ads for this kind of product you're thinking like a targeted marketer a lot of that is around the creative but it has to be deliberately planned so right so whether it's the imagery in your creative and or the messaging in it um and i love that the thinking process that you're speaking to subsets of the same audiences around the same product but delivering it maybe delivering it different ways but certainly with different creative that is going to to resound with like you say whatever their need is um or whatever maybe their interest are so x product works better with dog owners or whatever you know <laughs> i'm i'm making that up but whatever the uh the 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 subset you know may be of those and um paying attention to your data is what's going to give you that information so that then the creative and the delivery can follow that is is that the right process yeah absolutely because when you say data it suddenly becomes a dry subject right mm. but data informs your creative data informs your targeting data can even inform your medium so let's say you are a community bank trying to get to a larger uh, sorry a younger audience the mediums you choose are vastly different from if you were not trying to get to a younger audience so that same data and then the creative because if it's going to be a social medium versus you know a letter mail or indirect mail you're working with short form content and long form content for the same product but different customer groups so it becomes a question of letting your data talk to you and know your customer better but then you put on your marketing hat and you see well now how does my creative change how does my medium change how does its delivery change how does it become short form content long form content and what is that one action we want to drive you know even speaking about action social posts you obviously want them to click and go to your web page but let's say you were targeting the same product to an older audience that may not be digitally savvy and you want to target them via direct mail maybe you don't have any sort of a web url to go and sign up for that product maybe you include a personal banker who's close to their branch because you know what branch they bank with so even your call to action can be driven by your data and what makes sense for that customer when you start thinking in terms of this right you uh, there may be uh, here's where my brain goes and we may have some listeners that are going the same way too and it's like oh my gosh i've got i've got 20 products and you know now if you know now if i'm going from my four personas to you know 20 or 30 different you know segments or or breakdowns of it and then um you know different creative for all these things it's quickly becomes overwhelming for banks that especially banks that have you know small marketing teams mm-hmm. um do you have any you know tips suggestions on how to kind of get started with it you know do you do you focus on you know smaller swaths of things or try to just you know break down you know into a couple segments to start like how do you how do you actually get get going with it yeah absolutely it can be really overwhelming you can end up with 
800 different variations and then suddenly you're you're finding that it's taking you forever to just get this creative out the door. Um, I would start with identifying who your most valuable customers are. So obviously we can't work with 20 different personas for every single product, then multiplied by the 20 different products. Maybe start by identifying the two or three groups after you do this breakup of the 20 segments. Identify the two or three groups that are your most valuable customers, that have the longest lifetime value, that are giving you the highest profitability. And then we start to go into spaces of return on investment, ROI. This, this concept of your most valuable customer, again, goes back to the concept of knowing from your data which type of customer has been able to take up what kind of product. So it's not guesswork as to who is the most valuable. You've broken them down into bits and pieces of, of segments. But then between that, you know that this is likely to be a more profitable segment to the business. And this is likely to be a lower hanging fruit, whereas this particular segment is going to need a longer lead time and more massaging and creative copy. So let's focus on them later. Let's focus on our lower hanging fruits or our most valuable customers. And that's how you make the campaign a little bit more manageable. And, and I will also say that technology also supports this. Because when you start going into softwares and CRM tools and stuff like that, a lot of them allow for you to change up just bits and pieces of the creative. So you don't have to make 50 different versions of the same campaign. You can make fundamentally the same uh, creative and then switch up bits and pieces of it. So technology also allows you to bite-size the effort into the actual creative. Yeah, so you're, you know, and, and then you're getting into stuff, you know, A-B testing different, you know, mm -hmm text on buttons and colors and things like that, which makes it even more, <laughs> more complex. But I like what you said about, you know, focusing on the the high value stuff, right? It might, maybe you start with one high value set of customers on one product or something like that, right? Or what's, you know, what are the banks, um, you know, what are the bank's goals for the year and how to, how can marketing support those? And um yep. You know, if it's to grow loans, right? You're, you're going to want to do some loan marketing as well, but maybe you need deposits to go with it. So you, you know, you can probably land into um, a couple key. You know, start with kind of the the personas that are most valuable. But you can break that down into like, well, what are the what are those data attributes that make them valuable, and how do we find more people like that, or how do we, you know, um, I know a lot of banks that I work with talk about, hey, if a customer has more than one product, they they become stickier and they they stay around longer. So, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's taking some high value single product customers and finding out ways to market other products with them. And you start with that, right? And yeah, there's going to be lots of creative, lots of different, you know, testing on the campaign. But unless you're TD Bank or Bank of America or a really big bank, you can only really focus on one or two things at a time. But you, you yeah, may be absolutely. better focusing on a small sliver with a targeted approach like this than, you know, the everything to everybody approach. This makes me think of a quote, um, Brian Chesky, the founder and CEO of Airbnb, he once said, build something that 100 people love rather than build something that a million people kind of like. So when you, when you want to focus your slivers, on a, you're, you're getting overwhelmed with the 50 personas that you may or may not be able to target to adequately. 
those 100 people, those most valuable customers, build something for them that they're going to love and let that percolate later, the rest of the audiences, because that's where your profitability is going to come from. That's great. And, and the comment I was starting to make too is the direction and suggestion that you're giving too is very doable regardless of uh, asset size or anything else. Because I know that you and your agency are dealing with bank clients that have hundreds of thousands, if not more, uh, customers, whereas some of ours, you know, have a few thousand customers, you know, 5,000, 10,000 customers. And, um, but, but your application and going after the most valuable customers with uh, the, the greatest potential for highest lifetime value, in, in your words, using uh, the uh, communicating best with the low-hanging fruit makes great sense. It's doable for anybody. Um, yeah, and it allows you then to focus your marketing efforts in the right place. Because if you, you have a data set of a thousand people and you want to put a cost of effort to creating a campaign for them, you may find that you're not going to get the kind of ROI you're looking for at all. So then focusing on the, the data set that's a little bit larger or the low-hanging fruit, it's worthwhile. That effort is worthwhile, and then you get the payoff. So focus where it matters, even if there are 50 groups out there. Yeah, yeah and you'll, you'll, there's, there may be more profit in you know, getting 10 really good customers versus getting 100 kind of you know, low deposit or you know, single product customers that may not stick around all that long. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So Rhea, you mentioned technologies and you know, that is a vast ocean of softwares <laughs> and different things and all of that. But, but share with us some of your uh, experience and, and expertise in, in use of technologies, maybe in, in, in some that uh, may be beneficial to help our listeners move forward. So the, this vast ocean of technologies has some which require technical expertise and some that are created for a, a user who may not have you know, certifications in managing CRM softwares. The principle is an Excel sheet works great for a data set which is small, but when you go to anything above, you know, 1,000 customers where you want to have more entrenched demographics and psychographics and insights mapped into those pieces of data, you need a piece of technology that's going to process it for you. And so you can have technologies that are advanced, like industry leaders are typically Salesforce, SAP, Oracle. And then you can have also technologies that are more user-friendly and built for people who may not need or may not have technical expertise like HubSpot or Zoho, MailChimp, things that will, and you'll start with as simple as importing that Excel sheet into that software. It's really that first step is as simple as that. You have an Excel sheet, you import it into that software, then you start building out more data and the software starts churning insights for you um, and gives you places that you can target. So you, you have a complete range of different softwares based on how much expertise you have, how much time you have, how large your marketing team is, and how deep you really want to go with customization and personalization. Even on the personalization piece, there are various layers of how personalized you want to get. 
Don't start by saying, I want to be the most hyper-personalized communication that I can be. That can be a build-up to it. Simple personalization includes basic things like including the customer's name or the product that they currently use. The next level of personalization could be feeding them or prompting them with products that are relevant based on products they use. And then when you go to more complicated, higher levels of personalization, you can feed the customer with the nearest branch based on their geolocation, based on IP settings. One doesn't have to do all of this at once. Start with picking a piece of technology that based on whether you have technical expertise or not, you can start with, import that Excel sheet into it, which is the first of data that you've actually collected. And figure out a few basic parameters that you want to make your communication more personalized so your customer feels like they're speaking to you. And over time, you'll build an understanding of how much personalization is worth the effort, how much personalization makes it more complicated, and how much personalization is really getting your customers to engage with your content. Yeah, I think you hit on a really interesting point. And I think the first thing a lot of smaller banks start thinking about is how do we personalize our our emails, right? And you said, you know, I think one one really good way for the you know the the smallest banks to think about it is, you know, hey, let's not send mortgage emails to customers that already have a mortgage with us, mm-hmm. right? It sounds pretty simple. It, but you're starting, you know, doing doing stuff like that is starting to get towards the segmentation, right? It requires making different lists or adding tags to your, you know, your constant contact or your your Mailchimp list, um, and then starting to kind of personalize the messaging that goes with it. And then you can get into things like, okay, now for our, you know, um, customers that don't have a mortgage with us but have a high deposit balance, maybe we start messaging them about mortgages and buying a home and refis when the interest rates aren't so high, but, you know, start getting into stuff like that. And and from there, you, I, I love what you said about just testing and learning, right? You, you start doing the stuff and see what's worth the effort and see what isn't. And then, you know, um, you, you got to get your feet wet before you go full bore. Um, you know, the, the start doing a couple of things and expand from there, right? And, and I would say even before you look at the data, Maybe the mindset that changes is to your point, Dan, of how do you market to the right customer? Do you need to sell mortgages to somebody who already has a mortgage? The fundamental principle behind that is stop thinking about selling your product and start thinking about, is it beneficial to that customer? The minute you move from product-based advertising to thinking about the benefit-driven advertising, you naturally start mapping out which product makes sense for whom. Because now I can see a gap. I can see a place where the customer would benefit from a particular product rather than me approaching it as a marketer with, I need to sell this product. Now I have a customer who needs that product. So moving from product-driven to benefit-driven and then realizing that I don't need to sell a mortgage to somebody who already has one, or maybe they're a much later segment because the lower hanging fruit is someone who's buying their first home and I can see that they're building their deposits towards it. That's how the thinking moves from mass to targeted, really. Well, and Maria, I think the other piece of that too is 
so many, particularly smaller banks, have imperfect data, or you know they're they're not where they want to be. We we just uh, started with a new client long ago, and not long ago, and they were like, well, you know, we only have email addresses for. 2,300 of our 8,000 customers or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, we said, well, let's start speaking to those 2,300, you know, and let's start communicating with them. And to your point, let's at least segment them by deposit accounts versus loan customers. So you do have that information. And then get your frontline staff and other people and come up with strategies to, to improve your data over time whether it be better segmentation or at least just the gathering of that data and getting more email addresses mm-hmm. from your current, you know, but start with what you have and and run with it. And like you said, even just broad segmentations, uh, I, I think is, is very wise uh, rather than just waiting until we have this massive Salesforce system totally built out and we can target, you know, people with brown hair that tie their left shoe first. <laughs> you know, let, let's get started with what we have and, and go from there. And, and as you think about that, Rhea, you have the benefit of a large bank perspective. So, so what, are, what, what are some thoughts that you might want to share as going from, you know, lessons from a large agency working with large banks and transferring it more to, uh, uh, to, to a smaller bank environment? Yeah, um, one of the things that you we can always do, like let's say if you were a bank that had just 2,300 records that had actual data, but it wasn't filled out, it wasn't full data, it was just email addresses. One of the things that I've learned is you can absolutely talk to your customer and ask them what interests them. You can get more data from your customers. You can actually have a campaign that says, hey, you know what, we want to send you communication. We want to send you information that's more relevant to you. So tell us which of these things matter. Click on this one. And that's the particular product I have an interest in. I have an interest in cards. I have an interest in deposits. I have an interest in mortgages. Send me information about that. So your customer itself themselves can enrich your data. That's one thing that I've learned. We don't have to mount a large task of going out there and going feet on street, knocking on doors and trying to get more data. Your customer can tell you what they want themselves. That's one way to think about it. A couple of other sort of learnings over time that come to me, because targeted marketing tends to be cheaper because you're going to a smaller audience or the technology allows for the cost per acquisition to be slightly lower, there's a tendency to do a lot of it. Make sure that when you're thinking about sending emails out and you're excited because you've now you know, taken that first step and you're ready to send emails, you're ready to send the targeted social posts, still thinking about how much information does the customer really want to get from me? How often does the customer want to be contacted? So don't send a lot of information out there just because you can. That's one thing that I've learned from my experience. We tend to, you know, think about contact strategies when you start getting into the terminology of it to know how many times you want to a particular customer in a given period of time, think about that and don't just ad hoc send communication out there. And then very important, 
email, if we think about the simplest way of getting out there with digital, sorry, with one-on-one technology, is a long-form content. And so the tendency is to shove a lot of information because up until this point, you were working with banners or you were working with flyers or you were working with some sort of marketing that restricted what you could say. Now, sky's the limit. They can keep scrolling the customers. So there's a tendency to put a lot of information. When you're thinking about doing your first email strategy, your first email campaigns, remember that you still want to apply the principle of marketing, which is that your customers should get one call to action, one key takeaway, one product you're talking about, or one service you're talking about. So you may choose to speak of it in different ways to different customers, but we're still trying to drive that one action. If you confuse your customer with too much information just because your canvas allows for a lot of words, you're going to get no action at all. And then I think the last thing I would say for anybody starting with email marketing is you must make sure that when you have data, you have consent to actually market to customers. It's important that customers are okay to be reached. Data privacy policies and all of those are going to evolve a lot over the next few years. And getting your customers to actually say, yes, I want to receive this marketing communication. So your first campaign can be as simple as, we want to learn from you what you want to, what are the products that interest you from this bank? And can you tell us that you want to hear from us? Click here to subscribe for this information, to opt in for this information. So make sure that you're getting that consent because technology will start to create barriers more and more, not just spamming, but other kind of barriers if it's not consensual. And then that will spoil your marketing. The the worst thing that can happen when you start with your email campaign is you deliver, you create a beautiful email, you send it out there and you realize that 50% of it went to spam. And then you just get dissuaded and never come back to it again. So that consent piece is very important. And just as a community bank, right? Like you want to only talk to people who want to listen, right? And, and I, um, a theme a theme in data-driven marketing too that I always come back to is we all just see so many ads and thousands of ads a day. You know, I probably get a couple hundred, you know, emails that just go into that Google promotional, you know, Gmail promotional folder and never get looked at. And um, you don't want to end up in the bucket because then what are you doing all this stuff for <laughs> in the first place? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, those are great thoughts. So it's it's um, inundation and too much information, uh, and and not not being permissible, like you say. I mean, those are those are great points that sound pretty basic, but are but are very true in order to be able to do what this targeted marketing is all about in the first place, which is more effective communication than bypass mass marketing, right? So yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So those are those are great points. Well and then you can get the insights from like once that it, it circumvents the promotional box and it hits the customer and they open the email and they click on something, you can build from those insights so that the effect the effectiveness that you just mentioned, Chris, it comes from not just sending that email out there because you made it permission marketing and you thought about having that one key takeaway, that one call to action the customer wanted, but then going back to the analytics of it, which again, the software that you're choosing to use will give you. So you don't need the crunch or anything like that. 
that software will bring you back to the analytics and tell you, well, these many emails got delivered, these many emails got clicked on, these many emails got opened. So then you know that you're working effectively because you've done all these correct steps. Mm -hmm. And and all of that is applicable across multiple platforms too. Talk you, you mentioned about email, but besides the consent part, even the for for social digital ads, all these other you know capabilities, the the strategies are are still the same about the, the marketing segmentation, not over inundating, you know, all, all of that. So, uh, yeah. Well, let's um, maybe we can end on you know just a quick thoughts on on the specific technologies, right? You kind of mentioned. You don't really need anything if you're really small and just getting started. Excel is your friend, but like you know, and and you can see we we touched on the the really big end of the spectrum where you know you're into Salesforce and the you know six figure a year and up uh, technologies. Mm -hmm. But what about the what about the you know the middle guys, the the kind of small to medium banks that um, you know maybe have been managing stuff in Excel or experimenting with this, but are ready to. Take the next step. What what would you recommend? You know, what kind of technologies do you recommend looking at? I think starting with either HubSpot or Zoho or Mailchimp is a good middle point. You're you're moving from Excel to a technology that is cataloging information for you and is sending it out on a scale of more than one email at a time. So it's the right first step. Technologies like that, and there are several others that you can. Google even as small scale CRM softwares, but ten, but industry leaders tend to be HubSpot, Zoho, um, Mailchimp. It's a great places to start. They make it really user friendly for you. They'll talk you through your steps. They'll talk you through how to put the creative in there. They'll tell you what happened once the email went out. So it's not it's not a bun. It doesn't look like a spaceship with lots of buttons at all. Yeah, those are those are great suggestions, Rio. One of the things that happen when we ha happens on the show here when we have really great guests is we could go on for for hours. I know with you, unfortunately, we've only kind of scratched the surface, uh, but I think you have delivered some very tangible, uh, you know, great takeaways for uh, for bank marketers that, again, regardless of size, location. Those types of things are are very usable, so it's 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 been tremendously helpful, uh, and and I hope uh, our our listeners have had that same same thought. So thank you very much for that. It's been such a pleasure, and you can absolutely geek out on this subject, but just get started, get your feet wet. There's a lot that you can do in simple ways, and it will be effective. So for all those of you who are starting out with your data driven marketing, more power to you. Good luck. You can do it. Love it. Well, uh, do you have a minute to stick around? We can. We uh, usually take our guests through a quick lightning round of uh, questions to wrap it up. Nothing. If you're ready. <laughs> All right. Can you? Uh, can we start? Can you share a uh, personal best or a, a business best? Something great that's uh, happened to you? They want to kind of brag about. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that I want to brag about. Um, well, I actually moved to Canada from India, and we have a direct marketing association in India as well. And I was quite honored because they recognized me as one of the under 30 young marketers that spoke to, and this was a while ago, uh, that spoke to CRM um, in an effective way and created a recognition called the Young Knight Award, which uh, I was the first person in the direct marketing association of India that got recognized with that. And that was a personal best for me for sure. 
Congrats on that. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, how about a, a favorite book or other other resource that you love? A favorite book for all of the the business thinking and the self help books that I've read. I think I still go back to fiction a lot, and that's really where I get my peace and space. And uh, I don't know whether this is this might make you laugh or not, but I still very much read the Harry Potters of the world and um, get inspiration from it. So for all the day's work, my mind goes back to the world of imagination. That's great. My uh, my wife and son are reading, or my wife read, and I, I read the read the series a uh, long time ago. And my son is is nine and just getting into it. And it's uh, definitely. I mean, it's yeah. It's you, you got to add that add that layer of you know um, fiction and imagination and getting your mind going to bring great things into your work life as well. So I like that. Um, how about the most impactful piece of advice you've you've ever gotten? Ah, I think without a doubt that was that's there's one piece of information advice that I got in my life which I've carried with me forever. Um, someone once told me that talk to everybody and engage in every kind of conversation because if you can get one valuable piece of information from any interaction, it was worth your while. And I love that because it's taught me to say yes to opportunities. It's taught me to try different things. If I can glean one piece of information that's valuable, that's enough to have made that interaction and time worthwhile. I love that. Um, so how about flip that around? How about what's something you always tell, you know, tell your staff or your clients? That your customers are human. That they think like you. They communicate like you. And if you don't like something, they're probably not going to either. So don't forget that the people you talk to, your clients or your customers, they're human. That's great. That's a great way to great way to wrap it. If you're gonna take, like you said, if you're gonna take kind of one one thing away, I think that's so important to remember that they're not they're not data points, they're not segments, they're not personas, they're it's a it's a person that you're talking to. Um, well, how can, um, you know, if, if uh, I'm sure you've gotten everybody's minds uh, racing, um, spinning here, if people have questions, um, want to chat more, how, how can people get in touch with you? I think easiest is LinkedIn, um, or you can email me. If you look up Ria Iyengar on LinkedIn, you should you should find me right there. And if you write to riaiyengar at gmail.com, uh, you can email me and I'll be happy to help out. Awesome. We'll, uh, we'll link up uh, those two things in the show notes. You can find that if you get back from your dog walk, which is where I listen to most of my podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Ria, it's been fantastic chatting with you today. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. I, I know I... I'm I'm coming out of here with my my mind kind of spinning and um, always enjoy great uh, great conversations where we kind of nerd out on technology. So appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This has been, been really lovely. Good, been really great to have the time with you, Ria. Thank you very much. Take care, Chris. Take care, Dan. All right. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. To go deeper or get access to some of the valuable nuggets from today's show go to bankmarketingshow.com 
There you'll find episodes, links to resources, and much more. Be sure to subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. And join us next time.